Hello and welcome to The Widow Podcast. I am your host, Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I am a widow, a mum, a health coach, a life coach and grief coach. I want to help you see that you really can create something truly meaningful after loss. You have everything you need within you and I want to help you find it so you can see how capable and amazing you really are. Helping you find a more positive way through your grief. And welcome back to another episode of the Widow Podcast. It's so lovely to have you here with us again. And I say us because today I am so delighted to be able to share a wonderful lady's story with you. Um, Debbie. Debbie is a widow herself. She is a mum to two girls, grown-up girls, um, but nevertheless, two, two girls. And she came to me about when was it Debbie was it October 2019 no I think 2020 2020 2020 yes. 2020. Yes. and um joined my my very first finding hope in widowhood group and and we've chatted a lot um, since that time and, and watching Debbie on her journey has been truly inspirational. It really has. She's a, a wonderful lady with a with such a, a huge heart and a, and a very inspirational outlook on life. And I have just been watching her flourish and and grow and and I wanted Debbie to come on and share her story with you to offer you some hope. It, wherever you are in in your grief because that's exactly what Debbie does and she does it so well so Debbie hello hi Karen how are you <laughs> oh good it's so lovely to have you here thank you Debbie thank you thank you for asking me <laughs> oh honestly it, I know this is going to be amazing I just know it is um we've obviously chatted about what we're going to talk about and yes. your, your story is very heartwarming so to start off do you want to tell us a, about your story and, and how you entered the, the world of, of widowhood? Yes, of course. Um, it was Friday, the 23rd of March, 2018, and I'd gone out with some girlfriends from work. Uh, we were, a couple of uh, colleagues were, were leaving that night, so we'd gone out to have something to eat. And we were driving in between the pub and where we were going for the um, the leaving do. And uh, my daughter Kelly gave me a telephone call to say that uh, her dad, Paul, had uh, collapsed in the local school gym. Um, and she was obviously upset. And, and fortunately, as we were driving, uh, my one friend took me straight to the school. Um, and I can just remember having this absolute feeling of dread in the pit of my stomach. I just had a feeling that it wasn't going to be a good outcome. Um, Paul had had his first heart attack when he was 38. Um, it was a mild heart attack. And then when he was 43, he had two stents fitted. So obviously, you know, he had a heart condition, but you know, since, since we had the stents fitted, he'd been absolutely fine and well. Um, we got to the, she dropped me off at the school, I got to the gym and I, I ran down to the, the school gym and the paramedics were already there um, performing CPR. And I just took one look at Paul and I just knew he'd gone. I just knew he'd gone. Um, my eldest daughter, Jodie, she'd got there first and um, bless her, she was in the gym. She didn't want her dad to be on his own. So she'd gone straight in there 
and um, she just didn't want him to be by himself. And Kelly arrived a few minutes afterwards, but she chose not to go in there. She stayed in the corridor outside. Um, it shocked me to watch them doing CPR on him. I just didn't realise how physical it was. And it looked so violent as well to me at the time. And part of me wanted to just shout at them to stop it, but obviously not just to carry it on as well. Um, the paramedics were asking me questions, but I literally couldn't speak at all. My mouth was so dry. I didn't know what to say. Um, you know, one minute I was driving to a leaving do, and the next minute I was watching my husband lying on the floor and, and then attempting to give him CPR. Um, basically, he'd suffered a massive heart attack. He was 53. Um, they think he'd been on his own. He'd had the heart attack when nobody else was in the gym. Um, so they think he'd been on his own for about 10 or 15 minutes when somebody found him and they'd started performing CPR. Um, and the, obviously the paramedics arrived, their ambulance um, arrived as well. Um, and it just felt all so surreal. And after a while, they asked me and Jodie to leave the gym. And they took us into, some of the staff at the school took us into a, a side room. Um, and I think they asked us to do that to just, they'd make, they were going to make the decision to, to stop trying. They'd probably been trying for about 50 minutes then. Um, at some point, while they were doing CPR, one of the paramedics thought she'd found a pulse. And I remember Jodie and I just looking at each other, we just think, oh God, thank God for that, but she was mistaken. Um, and then they took us into a side room and then a doctor just came and explained to us that there was nothing more they could do and that he'd gone. And my girls were just beside themselves. And I just sat there just in absolute total disbelief, Karen, I just, even now it's given me a dry mouth, taking me back to that time because that's just exactly how I feel. I just didn't know what to think, you know, and um, I didn't cry. Um, I didn't, you know, like you always imagine if you're gonna get really bad news, you collapse on the floor, but none of that happened. I think I was just in shock at the time. Um, I asked if I could go and see Paul and I went into the gym and I got down on, I remember kneeling down onto the floor where he was um put my hands around his head just to cup his face um but there was blood all on the one side of his head he, he had caught his head as he must have collapsed and um had quite a nasty head wound um I told him how much I loved him um and that I would always look after our girls um I remember wanting all the paramedics to go out the room so I could just be with him on my own but you don't think of that at the time, do you? And, uh, and then Jodie came in and said her goodbyes as well. Um, Kelly chose not to. She decided she wanted, she just didn't want to do that. Um, and then it was just the, the rest of the evening, then was just trying to find his belongings. Paul had driven in his car, Jodie was in her car, Kelly was in hers as well. So trying to find his car keys and just all having to drive home separately and individually. Um, and I just thought it just just felt so unreal. Mm -hmm. We got home, picked up the dog, went down to my mum and dad's. Told, told, how do you tell anybody what's just happened when it's just come completely out of the blue? Um, then started ringing around Paul's family. He's got a big family. Paul's the youngest of six. Um, to let them know, and. Um, 
and then I was given a telephone number to make a call to the hospital because they told me where they would be taking Paul. Um, and for two hours, nobody knew where he was. Um, that he hadn't turned up at the hospital. Um, and I just I thought, how can you just lose my husband? Where is he? Um, and in the end, um, my sister and um, her son Joe came up and they ended up driving up to the school and the hospital was still, uh, sorry, the ambulance was, was still there. And because the police were now involved, because Paula died in a public place, uh, my nephew had to um, identify him. Um, and then I remember the police coming back then with Paul's wedding ring and a dress ring, which I never even thought of when I walked out of the gym. It didn't even occur to me to take those with me. And um, some money he'd got in his pocket because he was going to get a Chinese on the way back from the gym for him and Jodie. And um, it was just, I keep using the word surreal, but that's the only word that it I is. can just... It, you you are to it. thrown into this world, aren't you? That makes no sense. And, no. and how do you process that? That you know somebody that you love and that you've shared your life with, all of a sudden, that's it. That they're, they're not here anymore. They they're gone. Yeah. Like that's not something that you just kind of can adapt to and understand. Yeah. Straight no. away. And, and you, you know, your, your point was really interesting about, you know, you didn't cry straight away. And I remember somebody yeah. saying to me in an interview, did you know, what did you do? Did you break down and cry? Did you wail? And the same, you, you know, it was just, no, it was the next day um, for me. Um, and I think the same for you, wasn't it? You'd said it yeah. was the following morning that you yeah. cried. Well, my family offered to stay with us that night, but I just wanted to be me and the girls. And we just went up and we all got into our bed and um, the girls were crying. And I can just remember, I think I just sat up all night just saying, oh my God, oh my God. Mm. And I just, I think I said that for about three days continuously. Um, you know, I've, I've known Paul since he was 11 years old. We met when we started secondary school. We started dating at 17. Um, we got married at 24. And, um, you know, in total, we'd been together for, for over 36 years and I'd been with him more than I'd been without him. And he, you know, passed away just five months short of our, would have been our 30th wedding anniversary. Um, he was and still is the love of my life. Absolutely. And, you know, she said, Karen, how do you start? Where do you even start to process that? And you, do, you don't, do you? You just... It takes a long Any time. Comments. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. like you say, you know, even even now, you know, sometimes I still have those moments where you, you kind of go, Simon died. Simon actually died. Yeah. He's not yeah. here anymore. And, and, and it can still kind of take your breath away at times, can't yeah. it? You think they're gone. They went. That was it. That was, that yeah. was the end of their story. And, and it yeah. does. It, it really does catch you unawares. So you you were it was just after your 54th birthday wasn't it yes six days afterwards six days yeah. afterwards and um you say five days after kelly to come home after a three-week holiday to australia um, yeah. she just turned 23 and jody was was 27 how how do you feel that you all dealt with you with your grief did you did you come together did you do it separately did what did you notice went on for the for the three of you i would say initially we all came together um, you know, um, we were inundated with visitors, family, friends, 
Uh, we didn't turn anybody away. It was an open door. Um, I thought if people were brave enough and to, to come and see us, because it's not easy, um, and if they were brave enough to come see us, then the least I could do was open that door and, and, and they were welcome to, to join us. Um, we had so much support and, um, you know, with the arrangement of the funeral as well, you know, we, we were very much, that was very much a family decision, me and the girls to decide what to do. Um, you know, how, how do you even start to arrange a funeral? You, you, you know, yeah, it's one, one minute Paul was dead, being pronounced dead and four days later, you're trying to arrange a funeral. Mm. Um, you know, they asked me, they, they very, the funeral directors came to the home, which I was very grateful for. We didn't actually have to go there. So they came to the home and they were asking us all these questions. So I, I, I'm sure I must have just sat there with a the blank expression on my face. Well, I don't know. You yeah. know, I don't know. Um, I decided to go down the route of a humanist funeral because I wanted it to be all about Paul and him and his life. Um, I also knew he'd want me to be buy the cheapest coffee they've got. <laughs> So that was one thing that I was pretty sure I made the right decision on. Because if it's going to be burnt, you don't spend your money on it. Um, and the rest, we just did the best under the circumstances. Is, is there a, a part of you sort of afterwards that you, you'd wished you'd had the conversations about what happened if the worst was to happen to either of you? Um, possibly. I know we both wanted to be cremated. I think that's the only thing we'd ever... And there was... There was always a song that Paul always used to say, when I die, I want you to play this song at my funeral. Aww. You know, I haven't got a funeral song. It's never even come on my radar, but he had a funeral song. And, uh, and I couldn't remember it. And it really upset me. And it really, I thought, that's the one thing he wanted me to do. And I can't remember what it was. Fortunately, Kelly remembered. So, um, so, so that was good. But um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel as though it's a, a conversation we should have had. Um, or didn't have um, I got to choose the type of funeral that I wanted for him didn't I yeah yeah and, and I think there's a lot to be said for that actually because yes it's about the person but for me and, and we all think differently and, and that's okay but for me it's about the people left behind and how they want to say goodbye and, and honor yes. their loved one and I think you're right you know it's nice to think about little things that they, they'd like maybe but for the most part, it's you remembering them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'd have asked for it, he'd probably said, I don't want anyone there. <laughs> yeah. I don't want any force. Don't waste your money. <laughs> you know, so we got, we, we got to choose the type of funeral that we would have liked for Paul. So I think we grieved together through that process. Um, having a conversation with the girls, they, we, you know, they both dealt with it very differently. Um, Kelly dealt with her grief by shutting down. She pushed it to the back of her mind. Um, she went into denial. Um, she sort of adopted the attitude. There's always someone worse off than you. So what she got to be so sad about. Um, she didn't like crying. She was embarrassed by getting upset. Um, she reminded me that she had eyelash extension six weeks after Paul passed away to, to force her to stop crying. So oh. she didn't, because she just didn't want to do that at all. Um, she saw the pain that Jodie and I were in. And she felt she got to be strong for us. Um, and you, she cried, you, she knew it would upset us. Could, could you see that at the time or is that something you've reflected no. on? 
No, not at the time. Mm. No, not at the time. And I think, you know, I say we all grieved together and I feel that we did, but also you're so buried in your own, in the shock. You know, it wasn't expected. It came completely out of the blue. So you're buried in your own shock. Mm. And, and maybe, you know, you feel that you're all together, but also individually you're in your own little yeah. world of grief, aren't you? And I, and I think, I, you know, from speaking to people that there is usually one child, if, the, if there's more than one, that will take on that that role of almost like I've I've got to be okay because I've got to look after everyone else and and kind of feels like they have to step up almost in, into yeah. that other parent's place. But Jodie felt like that as well. She felt that she'd got to be being the eldest daughter. She felt that she'd got to look after me and Kelly. So they were both thinking the same. Yeah. Um, but so Kelly did it in the way she hid her grief. But Jodie you know we spoke about it we cried together we could talk about Paul we could look at photographs where Kelly couldn't we couldn't sit watch any videos of him not for a long time um Jodie was a doer just like a dad so she would do the practical things you know she still wanted to go and do the shopping she would put a wash on uh she'd take the dog for a walk so her way of protecting us was by her sort of doing all the tasks that Paul would have normally done as well really yeah. so they both dealt with it very differently one didn't want to talk about it one did but both also felt as though they wanted to protect me and each other as well yeah so um, and what about you I did did you want to talk about it yes yes I've always been very open with my feelings and you know me I do like to talk <laughs> um and I did yes I yeah. did but my, did, my, my you know we we all slept in my room for about until the funeral so it's not like we all went off together we we were together every night up until the funeral and then we decided that was time then to go back into our individual rooms and um so yeah so we did grieve together but all in very different ways yeah it's um, so interesting isn't it how we do all do it so differently yes you know yes. and I think that's sometimes quite hard when you're in the in the mix of grief and, and you're doing your thing your way and somebody else is doing it differently. It's quite hard, isn't it? In in, in the the depths of those moments because mm. you you worry you worry so much about your children and how they're handling things and what's going on. And yeah, it, it worried me a lot that Kelly wasn't grieving how perhaps yeah. I perceived she should be. Yeah. And um, and you know, and it caught up with her in the, in the last few months of last year. Um, you know, she started not feeling like herself at all. In her words, she's quite happy for me to say she was depressed. She was having panic attacks. Um, she was feeling anxious. She was being sick, and she realised that she needed some help. And I think she buried all her emotions for such a long time. Um, they have to find a way out, don't they? Um, they do. And um, fortunately, you know, she she realised that she needed some help and support. So she sought some counselling and she's well into that now. And um, it's really helping her. Good. It's really helping and, her. And do you know what? I think that's brilliant that she's even acknowledged that she needed that help, that that's what was going on for her and, and reached out for, for that help. Yes. Because it's, yes. it's not easy, is it? No, no. Not, not easy at all, at all. and it, it does yeah. have a real sort of physical effect on us hugely yes. um yeah. and, and that's exhausting and, and I know it's you know it's been a, a, a challenging time for you all because it yeah. you know, however old your children are you, you know still my babies <laughs> yeah and you want to make yeah. sure they're okay don't you no, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, both my girls are so lucky. They've got such wonderful friends and good, strong, strong friendship groups as well that their friends have been there for them through thick and thin. And, um, you know, as a mom, I'm so grateful to my girls' friends that have been there for them Absolutely. and still are, you know. And, and because I they, think... don't, they didn't always want to talk to me, Karen, because no. they didn't want to upset me. So, yeah. you know, and I know that, that my family have been there to support both my girls as well, and they've turned to them rather than me. Do you know, I think that the crux of it is our support networks, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. it's through our connection with others. And what I loved about you, Debbie, and you said it, just now that you know if anyone was brave enough to come to you to knock on your door to approach you to say something you embraced it because you recognize that that really isn't easy and that's right you yeah. know there's there's a lot of of kind of angst out there isn't there about how people respond to you in grief and and the things people say and do and 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 we as grievers get quite frustrated mm. um but you, you know I certainly th- think that we have a a place in helping others to support us because it's not easy approaching someone that's in the depths of despair like that you know you're so worried about what you're going to say what you're going to do if it's going to upset someone that you know you're not be enough you're not going to be able to solve their problems and there's nothing you can do and and we can be a bit snappy can't we in a bit (laughs) in in our grief but I think that's just so lovely that you even in the depth of despair that you acknowledge that and and embrace people and appreciated it because you know it's not always easy to to see that when when you're and I felt that if I shut the door in their face they may not come back yeah yeah and 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 nobody wants that do they no no no. So, so who did you turn to for support then um, to, to help you learn to cope with, with your grief? Um, firstly, it would have been my parents and my sister, Denise. Um, they were incredible. My sister literally packed a suitcase and moved in with us for probably about two weeks together with my niece, Meg, who came around to support, you know, Jodie and Kelly too. Um, my sister made sure we had the basics. She did the food shopping. Um, along with my mom, she took care of all the visitors that came. Um, you know, you realise very quickly you've not got enough tea and coffee, and don't <laughs> milk. Turns up yeah. for milk. Um, you know, she went with Josie to take the dog for a walk. Um, my dad took over all the cooking. Not that we felt like eating, but there was always a meal there if we wanted it. And it was his way of helping and his way of coping as well. Um, and my sister took time off work to help with all the paperwork and the funeral arrangements as well. Um, as I say, for about three to four weeks, our house was just full of visitors. So, you know, it was just that that support was there. Um, I can't say I'm fortunate as well that I'm, I get on well with Paul's family. I've got friends who have been and still are there for me as well. Um, so I feel like we had a very supportive network around us. Um, as for coping with grief, that's a strange one. <laughs> you know, how, how, how do you... Excuse me. That's all right. <laughs> so I'll just turn you off my mobile there. <laughs> Um, you know, you don't suddenly wake up one day, do you, Karen, and think, oh, I'm coping with this. It's in the early days, it's just literally getting out of bed, uh, making a cup of tea, muddling through the day, the never ending paperwork. Um, that's a distraction. Mm-hmm. 
that that very much helps with all the funeral arrangements as well. That sort of kept me going. Um, but once all the paperwork and the funeral had passed, I think that's when you sort of wake up and you think, oh my God, what on earth do I do now? What do I do now? That keeps you going and it gives you something to focus on. But once that had gone past, I just thought, what, what do I do now? Mm. What, what do I do? Who am I? Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. How do you cope with it? No, it gives you any lessons. Um, nobody talks about it, as we've found out in our group sessions. Nobody shares their grief. Um, so you don't know how to handle it. Um, so I think you just take each day as it comes. Um, people don't know how to handle it. So therefore, you, 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 it's not that I wanted to ever bury my grief, but I just decided to just take it day by day. And I, I sort of made a conscious decision after Paul died that I would try and remain as calm as I could to help me deal with it as well as I could. Um, and I think you find quite quickly as well that initially your emotions control everything you do. Um, and you let them because you don't know any other way to deal with it, do you? Mm. Um, but I didn't want my emotions you know, I think I learned as I went along, I didn't want my emotions to always control me. I wanted to take control of me. Yes. And, and um, how, how did you learn to do that? Um, how did I learn to do that? But part of me, I've always been quite a positive, optimistic person anyway. Um, and I knew I still always wanted to have, I still got a life ahead of me. And I didn't want it to be an unhappy one. But I think the biggest um, factor in it was, was meeting you and your, and your group. That really started to help me real, meeting you and realising that I could still have a future. Yeah. And, and I mean, you guys in the group, you did create some lovely friendships as well, didn't you? you know, and I think meeting people that get it, that sort of understand... Not, not everything, because obviously all our situations are unique and we all experience yeah. it in, in yeah. different ways. But there's, yeah. there's a lot of, of that kind of silent understanding of, of the, you know, a bit like, who am I? Where do I fit in? Where am I going? What's my life? You know, those big questions that we ask ourselves that leave us, you, you know, we feel stripped of our identity and our place in the world, don't yeah. we? And I, I can remember I went back to work a few weeks after Paul's funeral. I went back on um, a phased return. I used to come home at lunchtime and I used to just think, oh, this wasn't supposed to happen. This wasn't part of the plan. No. And over and over, I used to think, why? Why has this happened? Mm. You know, and um, you're right. You're just thrown into a world that you know nothing about. Yeah. And, and it's horrible, isn't it? And you, and you don't know how to put it right either. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And, and I think it was um, you started to put things in place, didn't you? But then you said um, after the third anniversary, um, yeah. of, of Paul's death your daughter made a comment that kind of yeah well the, there was a build-up to that really I'd, I'd taken your six-week course which was life-changing for me um meeting other amazing strong courageous women mm -hmm. um and you gave us all these tools and I wanted to start I think it, the course ran from it October till sort of six into December yes. wasn't it and you're given all these tools and I so wanted to put them all into, into, into place and to start working with them. And we hit another lockdown 
in January and I felt like I'd come up against that brick wall. I was keen and eager and, and I found that second lockdown so much harder and it was coming up to Paul's anniversary of his, his third death and um, I knew I wasn't myself. Once again, I was letting my emotions take control of me but I don't think I realised just how much they were taking control of me and how much I was probably changing and not for the better. And it was a comment that Kelly made to me and she said, um, I've lost my dad. I feel like I'm losing my mom as well. And it really, really struck a chord with me and pulled me right up. And I thought, this can't go on. You know, how long am I going to let my emotions take the control of me and I need to take control back? And it was a, it was a life turning moment, a changing moment for me, that was. Uh, so I'm grateful for Kelly for being honest enough and brave enough. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's hard, isn't it? To, to, yeah, to she was this... watching. She was watching me unravel, mm. and um, so no. And that's when you, I think I realised that I've just got to, I've got to start working on me. <laughs> and, and you're right. It's never. It's never easy. You, you know, we do have moments where we feel motivated to do things, don't we? Yeah. Um, but that motivation wanes and, and things happen and, and life still throws things at us. Um, but, you're, you know, like you say, you get to a point, I believe, that you go, I have just got to do the things I've got to do to help me because this can't be my reality forever you, you know this isn't what I want my life to look and feel like so I need to make some changes but it's yeah. hard it's really hard isn't it it is hard but once you start to make those changes it does start to get easier um you know I, I still have my my sad emotional low days and I allow myself to have those days on the promise that the next day I get up and I'm going to have a better day. And I plan to meet to do the next day, we can go for a walk or meet a friend, have a coffee or do some decluttering works wonders for me. Even if it's just one draw, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've achieved something. Um, so no, so I am um, more in control of myself now, my emotions. I understand them more now. Um, so no. It, that's a really good point isn't it it's, it's learning to understand you again and yes. and how you think how you feel how you behave and and it's very different to before and, and it is that kind of that relearning that reconnecting understanding a, a, a new way for yourself and and that's really hard so you, you've you've kind of touched on it a bit but what what did work for you and what didn't? Because obviously in our journeys, we, we come across different ideas and, you know, people share tools and strategies and things that work for them, but we're not all the same and we don't do no. this in, in the same way. So we've got to just figure it out, haven't we? We've just got to try different things and see how we get on with it. What what did you try? What worked? What didn't? I think initially I wanted to try and find a new hobby. That was my first thought. I need to find a hobby that's got a social life attached to it as well. So I've got somewhere to go out to. So I thought, golf. I'll take up golf lessons. You know, I belong to a golf club. Uh, there was a social life involved in that. So I took golf lessons. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> not for you. <laughs> no, I could hit the ball, but I just thought, no, no, that's not for me. Um, I joined Way Up. I was too old to join Way at the age of 54. Um, so I joined Way Up and went to a meeting and there was everyone there was so kind and welcoming. But I felt I wasn't 
I was obviously too old for way, but I felt I was too young for way up. They were a lovely group of people. They were in a very different place to me, Karen. They were retired. They got grandchildren. I was still working full time. A lot of their meetings were, were during the day. Um, so I, I, I tried it for a little while, but I thought, no, that's that's not for me. Um, what didn't work for me? Negative thoughts. Why me? Why did this happen to me? What have I done to deserve this? Of which there are no answers at all, because there are no answers. What did you do with those? What with those thoughts? With thoughts, yeah. Thought about them. <laughs> um, um, and I, I did question why for a long, long time. Mm. Um, and you literally just go around in circles with it because and then you realise that there is no answer and nobody's going to answer that for you. Mm. Um, so, you know, yes, I did think about that for quite a long time, especially on my low days. Well, why me? And you do. You feel sorry for yourself, don't you? And you're allowed to be. But it, I did realise, you know, I think my own positivity comes into it and say, well, that's a silly question. And you're never going to find the answer to that. So, um, you know, I parked those questions. Yeah. And yeah. I did. Um, trying to do too much. That didn't work because I just wanted to be distracted all of the time. Um, I didn't allow myself to just be and have some downtime because it was too painful because then all your thoughts just come right to the forefront again. Um, thinking I'll be better in six months time. I can remember thinking, I just want to get to six months. I'll feel better in six months. Then you get to six months, you think, I want to get to 12 months. I'll feel better in 12 months time. Um, and that's totally unrealistic. There is, as you learn, there is no time limit on grief. So that none of those things worked for me. But then you discover those over time as well, don't you? It didn't all happen, you know, in, in a short space of time. What did work for me and is still a work in progress is you and the lovely group of girls that I met through you and continuing to meet through you. Um, being with people who got it um, and being part of a widow community really does help me. Um, acceptance, that was a real big one took me a long time, didn't think I would ever accept what had happened to Paul, didn't want to accept what had happened to Paul. I thought that if I accepted it, it would mean that I no longer cared. Um, it mean that I was okay with what had happened to him because I'd accepted it. Um, but I realized that not by not accepting it, it was blocking me from moving forward. Um, so, that was something that I discovered and through my journaling, which we'll, we'll speak about in a little while. Um, but accepting, accepting that Paul had died helped me start to move forward. Um, learning to spend time with my grief and my thoughts, um, that helps me. Um, might sound a little bit odd to people not in our situation, but almost making friends with your grief. Yeah. Um, it, it's a huge part of your life and um, trying to work with my grief rather than allowing it to work against me. I love that. That was um, yeah. recognising that, that by sort of denying myself that grief or denying to work with it there again was just stopping me from helping me move forward. Allowing myself to cry and feel the pain as well you know they all helped um me to to realize that 
I needed to do those things and to feel those things to help me move forward. Hard to do though, because like letting the pain hard. in, yeah, and 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 get, getting to know your grief and letting that in, it's like properly scary yeah. and just horrible. You, you you kind of you go to these places that you didn't know existed in terms yeah. of like despair and and heartache and it's so physical and you just can't it is it's just awful it's awful um but you're right grief is now a companion for life and we have to build a relationship with it we have to get to know it and understand it and and let it in because when we do that we're, we're taking back our power aren't we yes. you, you yeah. know it's kind of like okay let's figure this out let's let's build a relationship with this and and then eventually it it becomes more on our terms yes as we yes. understand it better and, and yeah. we know how to deal with it when it kind of rears its ugly yeah. head yeah. Um, and 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 I even think we get to a point where we when we invite it in on our terms, you, yes. you know, sometimes you yeah. get caught unawares. But certainly for, for me in, in my journey, I feel like now, you know, it, for the most part, I get to decide. Yeah. When, yeah. when, when I when it visits type thing. Yes, and I have right. those yeah. moments. Yeah. 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 Like earlier when I said your emotions control you, you can control yeah. your grief. Yes. You know, there's always going to be those sad days, those low days, um, when when events happen, when he should be there for them, yeah. and uh, they're always going to be bittersweet. Yeah. Um, and but but by allowing yourself to understand your grief helps well, it helps me cope with it better. Yeah. And I, I and accepting that that grief is always going to be there. That's never going to go away, and I don't want it to go away. No, no, I but it doesn't always have to be painful and, no, and, and no. feel like you, you know you're drowning and, and you've got you can't cling on to anything it, it it kind of evolves in that way but it's still it's still you're right it's still there isn't it and, yeah, and yeah. You, you wouldn't want it not to be no so. no so did did you kind of read or or watch anything or listen to anything that you found particularly helpful in in your journey that, that there are you know books and podcasts and, and and talks out there aren't there what did you find helpful um I can remember thinking and I know you felt like this Karen that I didn't want Paul's death to define me mm. you know as a person or my future and I wanted to research um grief um, to find out in the best way that I could, if there was, if there is such a thing, to help me and my girls have the best chance of having a happy future. Mm. Um, so I'd start to read a book, um, any book that I could find that, that was about grief. Um, but if I found it too negative, I put it away. I, I wasn't, I wasn't interested. It wasn't what I was looking for. Um, if there's anything on TV to do with grief, I watched it. Um, I don't know what I was looking for, really. Um, looking back, I think I was just looking for some book or podcast to tell me that when my pain and my sadness would end. I was looking for when somebody said, well, when you get to 12 months, that's it. You'll be fine. Little deal. No, it doesn't happen like that. So I think initially when I was looking for, for reading or podcasts, that's what I was looking for. Someone tell me that when you get to 18 months time, you will be fine. Um, the first book that ever appealed to me was called Option B. Um, that was by Sheryl Sandberg. Um, and it was about building resilience in the face of adversity. Um, and I think because her story was very similar to mine, that her husband had died of a heart attack in the gym. So I felt that instant connection. So that was the first book that I actually read. 
Um, and then I can remember a TED Talk by uh, Nora McAneeny. Yeah. Um, and it's called We Don't Move On From Grief, We Move Forward. And that really resonated with me. It really, really did. And I remember listening to it night after night. I almost couldn't get enough of it because it was just offering me hope. It was the first thing I'd listened to that offered me hope. She does it so well, doesn't she? As oh. well, she she does it in such a humorous way. But like you you, you say that 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 tragic side of, of her story, but also yeah, that the hope um, yes. and and, and yeah. the 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 positivity of, of her telling that story. It, it just you can draw so much strength from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, w- I think I went on to read her book then, The Hot Young Widows Club, mm. um, which I enjoyed. And I think that was the first time when I thought that I need to then find or have connection or meet others who are in a similar situation uh, to myself. And then um, that led, then I think it was August 2020, and I knew I was struggling. And um, I can remember going to bed one night in August. I'd had a really bad day. And I found you on Instagram. <laughs> and I think you must have known I was looking for you, Karen. I was <laughs> <And> there. <laughs> I instantly just connected with you and everything you stood for. Um, your story, similar to mine. Mm. Um, and uh, But it was your attitude and belief that you can still have a good, happy uh, life. And that's what I was looking for and, and, and wanted to find as well um and I uh, just resonated with everything you said and uh, the rest is history it's I, know, I, re- I, <laughs> I remember having that first conversation with you and and, and just feeling the same about you, you you know because it's just feeling that you wanted it I recognize so much of of me in you you, you know just yeah, kind of that kind yeah. of I just I just want to feel like me again a little bit like who you know find the some of the answers to the big questions and, and find my way through this because I you know I want to live life yeah. and that's that's a hard thing to say as well isn't yeah. it sometimes <laughs> absolutely you, and, you, and it's admitting that to yourself as well isn't yeah. it really you know because yeah. you feel that you shouldn't yeah um what else I, I follow Mel Robbins as well yeah um I like her podcasts and her enthusiasm for life um and that if you want to have a, have a happy life, it can, it'll just come down to you and your approach towards it. Um, and like you, she gives you the tools to help you move forward. And I've, I've read both of her books, The Five Second Rule and The High Five, and I've enjoyed both of those and all the science that goes behind it as well. Um, and I apply those to my everyday life as well. Um, positive affirmations, love a positive affirmation. Mm. And uh, my girls bought me a pack of them for Christmas. So every, every day when I get into work, I give them a shuffle and I just pick one out and I put it on my desk and it's there. And funny enough, I wrote it down what today's one. My today's one that I chose said, you are entirely up to you. <laughs> so true, isn't it? You, do you know yeah. what? It's just and, and it can just be a few words like that that yeah, makes you yeah. go, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. I you are entirely decide. up to you yeah yeah and 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 it we don't always realize that do we no no you not know? at all we not don't at all. always realize not that at all 
And, and I think that I, I love Mel Robbins as well. You, you know, I think she's absolutely brilliant, you, you know, and like you say, a lot of her stuff is backed by science. So it, it's, yeah. you know, it's it's not just kind of the woo woo stuff that a lot of people think. No, no, not up. at all. No. It it's all makes real. sense. It, all, it doesn't it? You, you know, you read it and you just go that, that I remember talking to you about her, her high five habit, you, yeah. you know, like yeah. give yourself a high, I say it to my daughter, just look yourself in the eye, in the mirror every morning, give yourself a high five. You don't even need to say anything. You, no, you know, that's right. that's do right. it. Because it makes you smile as soon as you do. Yeah, and it does. It works. Yeah. It just makes yeah. you go. Do you know what? Yes, you've got this. You're doing all right. Yeah. And yeah. and I think it's it's and it's that, isn't it? It's the simplest things sometimes that you can bring into your life that make the biggest difference. Yeah. But it's and finding I'm, what works for you as well, yes, isn't it? It is. You know what yeah. works for me might not work for somebody else. It's finding what works for you. And when it, you find out when you find something that does work for you, oh yeah. gosh, it, it's just powerful, isn't it? And it, it is. is. And, but you've got to keep trying things, haven't you? you yeah, and this absolutely. is where having sort of that open mind, you know, I remember su- suggesting journaling to you, which we'll come on to in a bit, but y- y- you know, it's, it's kind of like, sometimes it's that feeling of, oh no, I, I don't do that. And, but you know, you've always had that, that open mind of like, do you know what? I'll try things. I'll, I'll give it a go. Yeah, like and, and I think, yeah, like golf, <laughs> not for you, but you tried it. And then you go, no, that's not for me. Let, let's figure something else out. So, so f- for you, I, we've, we've touched on it a little bit, but you, you kind of said acceptance was, was a huge challenge for you. Yes. Was, was... yes. I didn't want to accept it. As I mentioned before, mm. um, I felt if I accepted accept it, then it meant that I was okay with Paul passing away, which of course is just not the case at all. But I knew it was blocking me from moving forward. Mm. And I can remember actually writing it down in my journal that I felt I was starting to accept that Paul had died. Um, and I can remember being brave enough to write it down and breaking my heart at the same time. Oh, uh, I didn't want to write it down. But I realised that gradually over time I was coming to terms with it and I just had to admit it to myself. So that was really, really hard to accept, but also a turning point mm. as well. Um, what else was another big challenge for me? Another big challenge for me is um, loneliness. Um, not for the company of others. I've got, I'm so lucky to have friends and family. I just, I'm lonely for Paul. I miss his company. So that's been quite a big challenge for me as our Karen. Um, you know, it's all your memories, your hopes for the future, your dreams, the special moments. Um, you carry those now, don't you, on your own? And that's really hard and, that's, and sad, and isn't that's, it? Yes, it is. Um, and that's a really big challenge for me. Um, I, I struggle with it, not as much as I did, um, but it's a realisation as well that you are the sole keeper or the sole owner of all those memories now aren't you yeah and 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 it's huge isn't it because you know those conversations you have isn't it with your person you know do you remember this do you remember that and you've got blank yeah. spots somewhere and you're like what did we do what was that and then they yeah. remember it and they fill in the gaps and it's yeah, like oh, and yeah, he, yeah, his memory was so much better than mine <laughs> and, and now you're kind of like trying to piece it all together yeah. and remember it and, and you've yeah. got no one to share that with because yeah. nobody else was there it was your memory together that's and right. that's it, right. yeah yeah yeah, so that that's a, a difficult one to uh, sit with. So how, how have you tried to help yourself in, in, in the lonely moments? Is it, do you feel that, you know, it's something you have to learn to live with? Is there something you've, you've discovered um, that helps? Oh, gosh. Um, 
I think when I have those thoughts, I just, I do sit with them. I acknowledge them. Um, I do think that I'm lucky to have had such lovely memories. So I've got them. I won't ever lose them. Um, and it is my intention one day with my love of journaling at the moment to when I have these memories or thoughts to write them down. Yeah, lovely. So I can always go back and, uh, and read over them as such, really. So, and, and but now I sit with them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think I get that because it's something again we can't fix, isn't it? We we almost have to 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 sit with it and accept that it's part of our grieving journey because yeah. of course you, you know our yeah. person isn't here and 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 a lot of people say it, you know you don't feel alone because you you've got a lot of people around you but it's you you can still feel very lonely. Yeah, yeah nice. it's like being in a packed yeah. room. I I remember on my fortieth, you know, just being surrounded by everyone that that I loved. So dearly but still feeling just so lonely yeah, like going how is this possible it's quite hard to yeah to, to get your head around but like yeah. you say you know it does it, it lessens with time yes it, it does, does get softer over time yes. it does. yeah yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it does um but you said as well also special dates and 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 going yeah, out they with, are with special dates are challenging mm. but they're they're getting easier as time yeah. goes on yeah. Um, you know, when the dates are coming up or special anniversaries and Christmas, um, very often the build up is a lot worse than when the actual date itself yeah. arrives. Mm. Um, but you learn that again over time. Um, you build them up in your mind and it's almost quite a relief when those dates actually get here. <laughs> yeah it is it is almost like that oh I can breathe it's not as bad as I thought and okay all right we can do this we're all right yeah Yeah. Uh, so so talk to us then about journaling because obviously you've touched on the fact that you discovered this you know back back in 2020 um it's it's not something you've done before but no well it was you I think you suggested it on one of our weekly meetings didn't you and um it was a huge revelation to me. I can remember going to Asda and choosing a lovely notebook, one with bees on, because that was Paul's icon on his WhatsApp picture. And I got myself a pen. And, um, and, and I can remember opening the first page and I just sat there looking at it and thinking, oh, what do I write? I haven't got a clue. Where, where, do, I, where do I start all these thoughts going around in my head? What on earth am I going to write? And it was on a Sunday morning. It was my first, um, it was in November. Uh, 2020 and I think the first thing I was actually sat and wrote was how much I miss Paul's cooked breakfast on a Sunday morning <laughs> he cooked a mean full English breakfast and I think that was the first thing I put down it was a Sunday so it seemed appropriate and once I started I couldn't stop um it was like my own counseling private counseling session you know as time went on and I put more and more thoughts down um, I'd write down what was worrying me, um, annoying me, upsetting me. Um, and I think without even realising it, I've started to answer my own worries and my own questions um, and what I needed to do to make my life easier. And I would write that down as well. And any issues I'd got, the, the resolutions that were coming into my mind. Um, it was pure self-therapy for me and it's something I'd never ever thought about before it's amazing isn't it I remember like you coming into into the sessions and and sharing like these 
these like light bulb moments the, oh, these aha you just were like oh my god I've just discovered this and in my journey I'm re- and we were like oh my god this is so powerful like I've honestly I think there's there's, there's been a handful of clients that have that's worked for you know in such yeah. a profound way and, and you're one of them and and it really was like just it's as well you know yeah. and um one thing it really taught me, Karen, was how to be honest with myself. So you know, um, and it's it's a safe place. You're journaling; it's yours, and um, you can acknowledge your thoughts. And there's nobody else there to criticise it, apart from yourself. But it taught me how to be honest with myself and my feelings as well. And yeah. I think um, you know, writing those down as well helps you start to work through any issues that you've got. Um, and and that's such an important point isn't it Debbie because without that honesty that awareness that 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 kind of deep dive into what's going on with us yeah we we can't do anything with it you you know if we keep avoiding it or lying to ourselves or or, or, you know just not thinking about it it, nothing ever changes yeah and with writing it down it grounds it as well yeah you know it's not yeah. still spinning around if you've got something worrying you you can let it spin around in your head for days can't you yeah and i think by writing it down you just think oh got that off my chest now and yeah. um you know i'll either come up with a, a resolution for it or work my way through it but mm. um oh I, I, it's just in its i don't journal so much now um but that's a good thing or a bad thing I don't know but it's I don't feel the need to journal as much but it's still my first go-to if I'm worried about something or something's bothering me or or I have a particularly bad day I'll 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 sit up in you know in bed and I'll get my pen out and my my pad and and I'll write away and um but it's you know it it still works for me but it's not always about pouring out about any other issues that are worrying me um, but it's also really important to record all the good and happy things that are happening in your life as well. And the funniest things and stories. And if you've had a nice night out with friends or, you know, the girls have been successful at doing something or I've been successful at doing something to record all the good as well. So when you are having a bad day, you can go back and read that yeah. and remind yourself as well. I love that. I love that so much because it's so important that we we still look for the good, you know, because yes. if, if we don't, we, we're not going to see it and we can get entrenched in the grief and the sadness and what's missing and lacking from our lives. Of course we can. But if we can still acknowledge and recognize what feels good, what, you know, what is happening around us that we're proud of, that brings us some joy, some peace, yeah. whatever, yeah you know to take time and, and and go do you know what this this was good because you're right in those moments of, of darkness it can feel like nothing's ever good yeah. and actually you can look back and go it is it is still yeah, it's still right. there yeah. that was a good day that yeah. was a good one yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah exactly and I you know I'm always kind of saying to people just still look for that you, you know and, yeah. and gratitude gratitude can sometimes be too big a thing to to comprehend in grief and I completely understand that you know somebody said to me at the beginning like oh, what are you grateful for <laughs> um I wouldn't have been best pleased but you know think about the wins you, you know because thinking about 
what felt good to you in a day and and like you you touched on earlier that can be like making yourself a cup of tea getting out of bed having a wash you know that can be a win can't it and and as you move through your journey and and these wins grow and develop it turns into gratitude it's just naturally um and and evolves in that way and it does help to uplift you and it does help you to see that there is still still good in that so that's I love that I think that's so important you know how um what about the secondary losses Debbie there's so many and you know it's never just about the fact that our partners died that it affects every corner of our universe doesn't it yeah yeah it does how did you navigate them I'd never even heard of the term secondary losses no Oh, never came on my radar and why would it Karen um and I don't think anyone fortunate enough to still have 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 their loved one or their partner with them would even what it would they wouldn't know what it meant if you mentioned it to them um I think this is the first time I thought about it um I think I first considered my secondary losses I felt so overwhelming because when you stop and think about it you know you usually just say oh my husband's died but when you think about all the secondary losses there's a huge amount of them and they're more overwhelming sometimes as much as what's happened with losing four. Um, I think the first ones to me were physical ones. You're making love, you're holding hands, your hugs, um, the closeness that, that Paul and I had. Um, Paul loved me like no one else. Uh, he always had my back. He was my go-to. Um, he was the one person in life I could truly depend on at any time. And we had our own way of, of being um you know I hadn't just lost my husband I'd lost the father of my children I'd lost my lover I'd lost my best friend um my partner in making all decisions my holiday companion um the spider catcher (laughs) (laughs) very important role (laughs) very important role um I was very conscious but you know I was now the sole keeper of our life together really Karen and um he wasn't there anymore to say, do you remember when? And But you don't, you know, this, but you don't consider all those um, situations, you don't consider them all in one go, do you? As different situations are, are, arise as you're going through your journey, that's when you think, oh, he's not here to do that. Oh, he's not here to do that. And that's when it hits you every time, isn't it? When something goes wrong in the house, mm-hmm. um, you know, discussing finances. Um, I had to learn to cook. Paul did all the cooking. He did all the washing. I was very spoiled. Um, I can remember going to Asda for the first time and, and walking up and down the aisles, crying my eyes. I just couldn't find anything because I never went shopping. Um, he was a doer, Paul was, and uh, I was not. <laughs> um, so there was all these things that I had to start doing that he did. And um, it was hard. It was really, really hard. Because initially you just think Paul's died yeah. and, as, and, and everything else then just starts to pile on top of that, doesn't it? And for quite a while as well, doesn't it? You, you know, like you get oh. through different stages in your grief and you're like, oh God, I've lost that as well. And oh God, yeah. that's going to be affected as well. And it's like, oh my God, all these things, like where can I turn to that still feels yeah. normal yeah. for me? And yeah. that, that is, it's, it's really, it's really tough and it's yeah. very challenging. And I think it's, it can feel invisible 
as well because like you say you you'd never heard the term before you didn't know what that was it was like what what? and and then you know trying to explain that to people that haven't experienced that you know it's hard to to understand to fathom and and they can feel like invisible losses as well that just aren't acknowledged and recognized and we we need to grieve them all Yes, you know, you yes. Have to grieve them all, and, and yeah. I mean, Paul. Paul was brilliant at DIY. He could turn his hand to absolutely anything, and I was his mate. I always used to help him. Um, and I can remember I must started doing some odd jobs around the house, and so subconsciously I must have been listening to. I probably didn't look like I was listening at the time, but I must have been listening to him. So when things started to go wrong in the house, I started watching YouTube videos on how to put them right um and uh, and how to repair things um some of us successful at more than others if I couldn't do it I asked my dad for help and if, if he wasn't around or it was you know he couldn't then um I would have to get somebody in to do that but I got I began to realize over time that the material things I could sort out or get somebody else to sort out um but it's the emotional and physical secondary losses that are irreplaceable and 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 they always will be always always will be and and I think you know some of those aren't aren't talked about enough really you know you know especially the intimacy that's that's a huge loss in it and and people don't talk to you about that and 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 it's it's awkward isn't it you know people kind of clam up at the the best times talking about grief let alone talking about grief and then sex and and intimacy as well it's like oh god I don't want to say yeah And, Um, and and then I think there's an element of us that kind of goes well, that seems a bit callous to be talking about missing that side of it yeah, when he's died. Yeah. Like, surely I can't say that. That doesn't seem right. But it's it's huge. It's a huge loss. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you, you know, we're, we're, and it's we're part, part of your relationship, isn't it? You know. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're, we're feeling beings, and it's it's like that that side of it as well is we you know we grieve it hugely. We miss it hugely. It's yeah, a huge yeah. loss to us, and it's it's another big factor in in our journey. Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, grief affects us so much. How, how do you feel it's affected your relationship with, with family and friends? Because I know sometimes it can feel strained, um, and, and people don't always know how to, to be around us and, and things can change because we change, don't we? We change a lot and it can affect our relationships. Do you feel like yours have, have, have changed? I think I'm quite fortunate actually, Karen, in this area, um, um, I've still got good, strong relationships with all my family, Paul's family, um, probably more so now because I realise just how precious they are to me and and, and to my girls as well. Um, I've got good relationships with my friends. I haven't lost any friends along the way. Yeah. <laughs> don't think I've put anybody off. Um, <laughs> and, you know, actually I've gained friends through the widows group and meeting other widows as well. So um, I count myself very lucky, really, in that respect. Um, I don't feel that I have. My relationships have changed. That was probably grown a little bit more, really. That's lovely. Probably. That's, re- that's really um, lovely because I, I know it, it, it can be a, a, another huge factor and sometimes yeah. another loss in your journey as well, you know, because yeah, yeah. relationships can be deeply affected. Yeah. But it's, and, it's and at work, I, you know, I didn't want to be that elephant in the room when I went back to work that everybody you know avoided or 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 you know I was walking up the corridor and somebody walking away and turning around I just didn't ever want it to be like that so at work it's the one place I could still just be me yeah 
yeah and 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 that you know works uh you know for people in grief sometimes it can be a lifeline and it can be a a healthy distraction and it gets you through and it's a bit of normality sometimes in in a situation for others it just doesn't work out at all and 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 it's awful and and people can't cope but for you I think it has been a well I've been there a long time um Mm. I love the people I work with I enjoy my job um so it, you know, it's it was a place that I could just go, just be me, mm. and be accepted for who I was, and still get on and do the job. Mm. And um, so, mm. so that was a big help for me as well, really. Yeah. You you said earlier in in the um, conversation that you just wanted to to go on and and find a way of of living a good life. What what kind of drove you to to kind of want to, to find that in in your life? You, you know, was it was it kind of instinctive? What what was it? Was that was there something within you that kind of kept you going and, and believed that you could could find happiness again? I think it's instinctive. I've always enjoyed life. I like life. Um, I like people. Um, I'm a positive, optimistic person naturally. Um, you know. So I think that that drive is just inside of me. Mm. Um, it's the outlook I have. And I just always knew that this can't just be the end of my life as well. You know, unfortunately, Paul's life has ended, um, but mine hasn't. And, um, you know, and also I just wanted to just be the good example for the girls as well. Um, and but I think they tend up being a good example for me a lot of the time, really. To be honest, funny, isn't it? They teach us a lot. <laughs> but I think it's just a natural instinct to just enjoy life. I've always enjoyed life. Yeah, yeah. So I'm lucky yeah. in that respect, and I think that's helped carry me a lot of the time. And, and that that's driven you. That is. Yeah. Did you did yeah. you feel guilt about it though? Were there times where you would kind of thought, "Oh, I, I can't want that. Can I? That is that is is that um, being disloyal?" Or I don't think. I don't feel that I felt guilty. Maybe that's something I should feel guilty about. But no, I didn't feel guilty. I, I, you know, what happened to Paul, I had no choice in. It happened to him. It, you know, I couldn't have prevented that. Um, so, so, so no, I don't think I did feel very, uh, very guilty. Um, I probably felt a little bit, you know, I suppose you've always got that natural guilt. That you're still here and they're not. I think that just goes with, with losing somebody. Um, but we had a, a good, strong, loving relationship. We knew how much we loved each other um, and we enjoyed spending time together. We spent a lot of time together. So I didn't have any guilty things. Oh, I wish I'd done that more. I wish I'd done that more. I wish I'd spent more time with him because we did. We, we, we loved being together and spending time together. So I'm fortunate that we did have that time and that type of relationship. So I don't have any guilt from that mm. either. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm quite, I'm, I'm, I count my blessings with that one. <laughs> yeah. And, and also I think it's it's kind of, like you say, going, what we had was good and and, and focusing yeah. on the, the good that you had in it rather than maybe going, oh, I could have done this and I could have done that. And, and you, you know, because you probably could if we allowed ourselves to, but yeah. do you remember it for, for the good that it was and the good that you did in, in the relationship? Um, and, and like you say, you know, Paul died, um, but, but you're still here. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think that's, you know, that's really, really important, isn't it, to, to yes. remember? Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you honour Paul in, in your life now? 
he Paul suffered quite a few illnesses in his life over his years. Um, but he never ever allowed himself to be a victim, ever. He was, I think he'd be disappointed if I allowed myself to be one as well. So um, he was strong and brave and he never let anything stop him. So I feel that I, it's not that I have to be the same, but um, you know, he was a good role model <laughs> for me. Um, I honor him by taking all the best parts of him with me on my journey. Um, he was organized if a job needed doing he'd do it straight away and so he never you know never let anything sort of build up so um, I, I tried to do that as I mentioned before if something goes wrong in the house I tried to fix it um, he had to spending money on a job that um, he, he could do himself so I tried that to do this I tried to do the same so I think he'd like that um, he got lots of good strong qualities Paul had so I do like to carry those forward with me um oh gosh I can remember in one of our sessions that you said to us that you know when well in my journaling um to make a list not to put our not to put our loved one up on a pedestal mm -hmm. um and to be realistic about them and to make a list of the things that maybe we didn't agree with or maybe dislike about them along with a list of all the things that we did like about them and I was very relieved to find that the list that I <laughs> was far longer than the one that I disliked and, 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 you know, and I'll read back some of those and those are some of the qualities and parts of Paul that I will take forward with me. And, um, and, it, and, and I feel like I keep a part of him with me then in my everyday to day life by, by doing that. And I think it approved of that. Mm -hmm. um, and also honouring Paul thought the world of me. He absolutely did. Um, and I think I can honour Paul's life by honouring my life too. That's beautiful. You know, he, he adored me and um, I was and I still am a lucky girl for that. So I think he would want me to honour my life as well. Actually giving me shivers, my whole body. <laughs> <laughs> it's got shivers. No, Do you no. know what, that's such a good point, isn't it? You know, we talk about honouring our person and and taking them forward with this which we which i believe is you know super important and you know continuing those bonds with them and and bringing them with us in in our hearts but you're right you, you know we have to honor our lives as well yeah. don't we yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so. i love that debbie i think you. you know that's such a, a such a, a a poignant reminder i think to all of us that you know we're here we're, yeah. we're alive yes. and yeah. yes you know it's tough sometimes and, and things happen um but but life is a is a gift and, and we can we can make it good again you, you yeah. know and, and it's yeah. kind of figuring out how how we can do that in in the best yeah. way and we, and we have to live it for those that can't live it as well and, mm. you know, yes so. yes 100% so what would you say your, your grief, your loss has taught you? Um, what have you gained from it in terms of, of perspective, opportunities, discoveries about yourself? Um, you know, I think there's always lessons to learn. And again, I think that takes time to be open to, to that idea. Um, but, you know, for where you are in your journey now, what would you say that, that it has taught you? I think initially, if I, if I turned up, you know, I would have probably a while ago turned around and said, oh, you know, 
that my life has not moved forward since I've lost Paul. But when I stop and I look back now, I've learned so much, Karen, mm. so much. Um, I've learned that I value life more than I ever did before, how fragile it is and how your whole world can just be turned upside down and inside out in a moment. Um, it's taught me to value the day that you're in and make the most of the day. Um, you never get that time back again, do you? Um, it's taught me patience. It's taught me to re it's taught me how much people care about me um, and are there for me. Um, how much support is there, but you have to also reach out and accept it. Um, you don't have to cope with it all on your own. Um, I realise how much others must have been hurting at the time as well but you're so much in your own groove that you don't necessarily pick up on that um because you're in your own world um it's taught me how to listen other people have spent time listening to me it's taught me how to listen to other people um opportunities i've got an opportunity to discover a new me um I think you've got a choice on this one. You can either stay where you are in your grief or try hard to find out about yourself. And I know that's hard and it takes time to do. But when you look back, when I look back at my life with Paul and I, wouldn't, I would have it back in an absolute instant, but you, you get involved in your own life, don't you get engrossed in your own life and it's a busy life and you've got your work and you've got your family and you've got your children and clubs or whatever they may go to or activities. And, you know, you, you do all, you, the, the house takes over and, and everything else. Um, and you plan things to look forward to, but you never actually stop and take time to probably think, is this who I want to be? Is this where I'm going? You know, where's my future? You just get involved in your day-to-day -day tasks and your life just moves on, doesn't it? But I now have an opportunity to create a life for me and find out about me um to take that time to do that to try new things um try things that might interest me or um oh gosh I'm, I'm on a journey of self-discovery and, and and broadening my horizons and some people might find this hard to understand but sometimes I think that's quite exciting mm. Yeah. Do you know what? It's quite it's quite empowering and liberating, isn't it? When you, you kind of reach that point in your journey where you go, do you know what? I'm in I'm in control. I get to decide. Yeah. And, and it is yeah. scary. Of course, it's scary and it can be lonely and, and filled with anxiety and, and fear and all that kind of stuff. But it ca can also feel quite exciting and liberating and empowering. Yeah. And and, you know, because you, you start to learn things about yourself that you didn't didn't know were there. No, that's right. That's right. You know, and 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 I am, and I spend time. You know, I'm just finding out about myself every day. You know, that I'm stronger than I thought I was. I'm brave at trying things that I never thought I'd do. Um, the resilience that I have, um, and, and maybe that person was always there, Karen. You don't know, but life takes over, doesn't it? Or yeah. you just get on with your day to day life, and, yeah. or you don't come across situations that that make you stop and uh, and look at yourself. Um, you know, I've spent so much of my life being more of a couple than as an individual, and now, you know, yes, I'm still a mom, um, obviously, but um, 
I'm, I'm finding out more and more about myself and I quite like myself actually <laughs> I found out I quite like myself I love that I love that Debbie I like you too <laughs> You. I like you too. Sure, everyone <laughs> listening likes you because you're just you are so lovely and so warm and 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 <laughs> as I said at the beginning you know watching you on this journey of self-discovery has been such a beautiful thing to, to observe it really has you, you know you really you have taken anything that has has been presented to you and and tried it and gone with it you've pushed yourself you've you, you really stepped out your comfort zone at times and you've always remained positive in in the yes. whole thing you, you know I'd absolutely you know even on the darkest days when it's been heavy and horrible there's always been that that glimmer of positivity and hope that still shines yeah. in you yeah there's always um, hope <laughs> always yeah always yeah, it's, it's it's not the life I envisioned for myself at all Cara no. you know yeah absolutely isn't, but it's 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 still a life and yeah. it's my life to make now yes yes um, and, and you're doing it you're doing it so beautifully before we finish I like to just just ask people what what advice would you go back and give to, to that that new widow um, when you first lost Paul, um, that, that might help other widows in, in their journeys now? Have no expectations of how, on how you or how you think others should perceive how you should be in dealing with becoming a widow. Because I think we think a lot of the time of, or oh, what will other people think if I do this or do that? Um, learning to be kind to yourself as well you don't really understand what that means at first it's the simplest of things isn't it and it is sometimes just taking that time to make yourself a cup of tea giving yourself some space um don't do anything you feel uncomfortable with um listen to your gut instinct it's hard making decisions at that time and it is but listen to your gut instincts and do what you think is right for you ask for help when you need it because people want to help you and they do want to help you um it's such a personal journey there's no right or wrong way to grieve it's very individual to you um oh what else for me i think what helped me was finding a, a group that you can confide in and spend time with um and being part of the widow community really helps and supports me and understand that there's no set time on grief. Um, it's huge. And gradually over time, you will build your life around it. And I think I've probably said this to you before, Karen, but you know, people say that time heals, but it's healing that takes the time. That's how I like to view it. So true, isn't it? Yeah. It really is, you, you know, and I think there is a, an expectation a perception a belief whatever at the beginning of our journeys that you know in a certain amount of time that yeah. you know you, you'll get to a point where you're healed and yeah. you know as you discover as you go through this journey you kind of start to realize that's not how it works you yeah. know yeah. healing healing does take time and, and I believe actually that probably is a bit of a lifelong journey as well because as, as we yes. go through it and different things happen other other things come back up and big moments become bittersweet and we have to work through those you know as if you've yeah. got children watching them grow and achieve things and you know even yourself yeah. it's there's always those moments um and and healing does take 
time it and, yeah. and, a, and not longer well it may, it, may, it may well take forever um yeah. but we'll you know we'll, we'll always be healing and yes. you need to change as your time goes on as well and it's learning to go with those needs yeah and work with them isn't it so, yeah. so exactly yes. Oh, Debbie, honestly, I just, I love chatting to you. I could chat to you for hours. You, you're just, you're so wonderful. And, you, you know, you've shared so much here that people will be able to resonate with and and draw from and, you know, just offering that that clarity, that hope, that positivity in, in a, you know, in a, in a dark, difficult place. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for time. having me. Oh, it's <laughs> been a pleasure. Bless you. Thank, thank you, you, Debbie. <laughs> Take care. Thank you so much for listening today on The Widow Podcast. If you would like to find out more about how I can help you, please visit my website, www.karensutton.co.uk. I would love to help you find your way forward to a brighter future. So get in touch, let's have a conversation and let's help you take back control and find a more positive way through your grief. I look forward to hearing from you.